Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. What's up, Montana? Welcome back in to Nuanez Now. I'm Coulter Nuanez. Nuanez Now is your one-stop shop for all things sports across the great treasure state each and every weekday right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide Television, SWX Montana Television. Missing the first hour of the show, you just heard the coaching contract news there for Montana, Montana State, men's and women's basketball, respectively. A couple other pieces of pertinent news. Maisie Burnham, the Big Sky Conference Women's Basketball Freshman of the Year from Eastern Washington, the seventh Eastern Washington Eagle women's player into the NCAA transfer portal. So that's the latest uh, addition to the portal from the women's side of the Big Sky Conference. On the men's, uh, on the Division One level of the transfer portal, Raleigh Wooster, Missoula Hellgate product, who played last year at Utah State, a standout freshman last year for Craig Smith's Aggies. Well, Craig Smith's on his way to Utah, so Raleigh Wooster looking for a new home. He's into the NCAA transfer portal as well. And finally, one last piece of breaking news, Ronnie Bradford, former NFL corner, a national champion at Colorado, a 10-year NFL vet, and a 15-year veteran of college football. He's the new cornerbacks coach for the University of Montana as they prepare to play their first of two spring games against Central Washington University. If you missed anything in that first hour of the show, you can find it all on the podcast. Ty Gregorak, former University of Montana and Montana State assistant football coach, joined us to break down all things Grizz and Bobcat football. We also heard from Jace Lewis, senior linebacker from the University of Montana, previewing this game. We also heard from Bobby Houck, the University of Montana head football coach, 
podcast proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications as well as the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel and Sportsbet Montana. We'll be joined here momentarily by Blaine Bennett. He's a former head coach at Central Washington University. Uh, he coached at Central when I was at Central Washington. Uh, excuse me, I was living in Ellensburg, Washington. working at the Ellensburg Daily Record. Coach Bennett was there at Central as the head coach for five seasons. He was at Central Washington for... Uh, from 2008 till 2012, he went 41 and 16, 32 and 8 in the Great Northwest Athletic Conference. Couple playoff bursts, including my first year there in Ellensburg, 2009. Uh, then the following year, they were a good team. They did not get the automatic bid out of the Great Northwest Athletic Conference, though. Uh, so just one playoff bid there. But Coach Bennett has a long coaching history. He's the head coach of Western Oregon for six years. Then he coached at Purdue quarterbacks and, run, uh, and the recruiting coordinator from 2001 to 2005. The assistant head coach of Michigan State in 2006, and then was at 2000. Uh, excuse me, at Central Washington from 2008 until 2012. Uh, sounds like I know Coach Bennett was going to be driving when uh, when he was going to be taking this call, so maybe he's uh, out of service for the time being. Uh, but we'll try him again here in just just a couple minutes, see if he gets back uh, into service. In the meantime, a l- another look at what this game might hold. I've, I've been hearing, and I know I've been having a similar theme here on Nuanas now throughout the week, but. I covered Central for two years, and I can tell you now, I know that was a decade ago, but they have intrinsic recruiting advantages uh, that gives them the ability to get really good talent. And I remember having, coming off, you know, I covered Montana and Montana State as a student journalist at the University of Montana, and then I spent a little less than a year freelancing at the Missoulian and for various other publications around the state of Montana. And so I was coming off of covering some really good Big Sky Conference teams in, in Montana and Montana State, those, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009, those years, Good teams, both sides. Great teams on the Montana side. When I first got to, to Ellensburg and first watched Central Washington, I was so surprised by how close it was to the level I was used to covering. It was really not that big of a step down, especially in their frontline starters. A little bit of a step down the offensive line and maybe in speed at the skill positions, particularly receiver and corner. But I saw some really good running backs at Central. I saw some really good defensive linemen, linebackers, and safeties. So... Um, Definitely some some comparable talent, to be sure. And what I'm getting at is that is going to be the, the case on Saturday. They're going to have some good players at Central Washington as they make their way to Washington Grizzly Stadium. They were 7-4 and four a year ago. Here's a little backstory on Chris Fisk, who is entering his second year as the head coach at Central Washington. Prior to Central Washington, he was at Southern Oregon. Southern Oregon under the leadership of Craig Howard, who came by way of a high school, a powerhouse high school in Jacksonville, Florida, that is, where he coached a young man named Tim Tebow who went on to win the Heisman Trophy and a couple of national championships at Florida. Well, Craig Howard brought that similar spread-style offense to the other side of the country to coach at Southern Oregon, and then they ended up landing a kid named Austin Dodge at quarterback. Austin Dodge was a guy that chose Central Washington over Montana State, fell out of favor at Central Ends up transferring to Southern Oregon and ends up lighting it up. He's the NAI National Player of the Year. He led Southern Oregon to the national championship uh, as a junior and then led him to the runner-up finish as a senior. So that was definitely the best um, run in Southern Oregon history, to be sure, at least recent history. And um, Chris Fisk, the offensive coordinator for Central Washington, he was the architect uh, of that Offense. He was the offensive coordinator at Southern Oregon back then, now the head coach at Central Washington. So uh, 
what I'm getting at again is that Central is going to have a prolific offense. They're going to be able to move the ball. They're going to have you know acumen and and uh, they're going to have um, they're going to have both talent and they'll be well coached offensively. The play calling will be good. It's not going to be a total mismatch. Montana is going to have some some uh, significant advantages in certain areas, particularly on the perimeter. I, I doubt Central has any corners that can run with Montana's receivers. And uh, Montana, you know, up front defensively will probably have a slight advantage as well. But, but Central is going to have talent, to be sure. And uh, so it'll be a good game at Washington Grizzly Stadium on Saturday. I'm, I'm interested to see what the revamped Grizz offensive line looks like. We talked about this earlier in the week. Colton Kintz, who's been a, an on-and-off starter at right tackle each of the last two years, He's moved to the left side of the line. He's going to play on the inside. He's going to play at left guard. He'll play in between Conlon Beaver, the left tackle, who's a three-year starter, and uh, A.J. Forbes, new center, but a transfer from the University of Nebraska, six foot four, 300-pounder, who, uh, who is expected to fill a huge void in the center of Montana's offensive line. And then on the right side, Moses Mallory returns at right guard as a redshirt senior. And uh, Dylan Cook has really developed as a right tackle after transfer from Montana State Northern as a quarterback. Now he's developed into a right tackle. That's facilitated the move of Colton Kynes to the inside. So uh, I'm interested to see the Grizz offensive line because it's something that Bobby Houck took great pride in from 2003 to 2009. And he's really been working on rebuilding now these last couple years, but looks like they finally got the horses in place. Without further ado, sounds like we have Coach Bennett. So, First of all, you listen to Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. And once upon a time, when I decided to move out of Montana for the first time in my young life, I landed in Ellensburg, Washington, and I got a chance to cover Central Washington uh, football and men's basketball at the Ellensburg Daily Record in 2009 and 2010. And I got a chance to spend a couple seasons getting to know this guy, Blaine Bennett, who was the head coach at Central Washington from 2008 uh, until 2013. Coach, it's been a long time. It's amazing how uh, your paths seem to always cross again, no matter how long it's been in the world of sports. But we appreciate you joining the show, my man. How you doing? Oh, it's going great. It's going great, Coulter. I appreciate uh you reaching out and saying hello, it's like you said, it's been a long time. So uh, we certainly had a good run back there in uh, 2008 to 2012 at Central. And uh, I know we're talking Grizz football, so that brings back a lot of memories. No question it does. I just told this story a little bit, but I want to get your perspective on it as well. I had been covering uh, the Grizz football beat as, as a student journalist and then working in the, at the Missoulian uh, when I was in college and then my first year out of college here in Missoula. And when I first got to Central and I first got to know you and your staff and watching your team, I was so taken aback by how close the level really was. I mean, I had been, just gotten done covering two teams that had gone to back-to-back national championship games at Montana. And when I first started watching your teams, I was thinking, man, these guys are pretty talented. They could play in the Big Sky Conference. There's a lot of guys for sure that could and even had played in the Big Sky Conference as well. So I know that when you were there, you guys did a good job recruiting. But it seems like Central itself, with its location, how great of a town Ellensburg is, and the tradition that's existed at Central Washington for a long time, it seems like it's a pretty ripe job, a place where you can garner a lot of talent and build pretty competitive teams consistently. Yeah, I think you can. I think there's three things that really come into play. Number one, you have to have a great staff, and back then we did. Our D coordinator, Joe Lorig, he's now coaching at Penn State. Uh, Stacy Collins, our special teams coordinator, he's now the special teams guy at Boise State. And then Peter Sermon was coaching our linebackers, and he's now running the defense at Cal. So uh, we, we had a great staff, and then you tie that in with the athletes that we were able to get at Central. Uh, really, the... Um, 
in-state kids being the only Division II football program in the state of Washington, and Washington has pretty good high school football. Uh, and then we really went out and got some transfers, you know, some key transfers like a Mike Riley who transferred in from WSU, a Jared Bronson, he transferred in from UW, and I could go on and on. Uh, but those transfers, those legit Division One guys that we were able to attract at Central, being a, a national Division Two program, uh, that really put you up to that level where, you know, you could compete with some of the big sky schools uh, on a significant day. You know, one Saturday, playing them one time. I think uh, Central, it would be always tough to play uh, 10 big, big sky games, but uh, we certainly snuck up on a couple guys knowing we only had to play one or two of those every year. Blaine Bennett joining us, former Central Washington head coach. Central Washington plays at the University of Montana on Saturday here in Missoula, Washington, Grizzly Stadium. And, uh, Coach, you mentioned the, the element of being able to get transfers into Central Washington. I remember coming into the second year I was covering you guys, you guys brought in a whole bunch of really talented transfers. Um, a couple linebackers, uh, Jared Silva Purcell and Paul Wright, and Eugene Germany, the list goes on. We don't need to list all the guys. But right. the, fact of the, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, though, you can get those kind of guys. But why do you think that is? What are the elements of, of Central Washington, the campus, and the town that, that kind of draws some of those uh, bigger-name, bigger-type recruits to the Division II level? Well, I think you have to have a staff that can reach out and uh, recruit those kind of a guys. You know, I don't think Central recruits those transfers anymore like we did. You know, we had a, a coaching staff that had some Division One experience. Uh, we knew a lot of coaches out there in the country, and we had a tradition and kind of a uh, a special, um, unique atmosphere at Central where they could come back to the West Coast. Uh, and we were the best D2 program on the West Coast. So whether it be a Eugene, Germany, or, um, you know, we even had guys from Alabama come in. And, again, we don't want to list them all. But uh, it, it was a great combination with those in-state guys that we had. But I think you have to have a staff that has those connections so you can field those calls and uh, connect with those student-athletes looking for a second chance, whether it's be uh, they were over-recruited at the Division One school they're at, um, or if they, you know, weren't successful the first time around, went down to a junior college and now looking for a second chance at a four-year opportunity. You mentioned Mike Riley, and I remember that was one of the first, when I was uh, applying for that job at Ellensburg, I remember thinking, oh, this could be a, a fun first gig. And I remember having covered you guys uh, in, in 2008 when you were in Missoula. So we'll get to that in a minute. But I remember playing against Mike Riley during high school football because he's actually from up in the Flathead. I guess he went to high school up in the Flathead and uh, played, yep. played at Spell. And so I, I just remember thinking how talented he was back then and knowing that he was going to develop into something special. But now here he is, and he's been a 10-plus year pro and been a starter at times in the Canadian Football League. So uh, what do you remember about when you first recruited Mike Riley, and what do you think is given him so much success at the professional level for all these years well honestly you know i we didn't recruit him you know when i when i got there in 08 uh he was already in the program so he had gone to wsu out of high school walked on there paul wolf was the head coach and after uh two years i think the second spring he wanted a scholarship and wsu wasn't going to give him a scholarship so he transferred to central uh so he actually played for bo baldwin before i got there for one year and then Bo left and so he was already in the program so we didn't recruit him what we needed to do was just kind of develop a relationship and certainly 
He's a competitor, uh, an athletic quarterback. Wasn't able to get that scholarship at WSU, uh, but what a, an amazing experience or career he had at Central. And then certainly, uh, you know, he's a great cup uh, MVP and has done a great job up in Canada. Blade Bennett to join us. He was the head coach of Central Washington University for five seasons, including when the Wildcats came to Missoula in 2008. And, Coach, I know that was that was early on in your first season at Central. Was that actually the very first game? Uh, it wasn't our first game, no. It was uh, oh, probably about the third or fourth game when we played uh, Montana. But definitely, definitely early on in your time at Central. But that was a great yeah. Grizz team, a team that went on to win – 14 games, went all the way to the national championship game uh, at the yeah. FCS level. But what do you remember about j- just that uh, preparation that week? Because it must have been sort of a daunting task to come in and play a Grizz program, which at the time was one of the the, the powerhouse programs in the entire Northwest. Uh, it really was. And, you know, Bobby Houck did a great job. He's got a great staff there, and he has a lot of talent. And we knew crowd noise was going to be an issue. So before uh, – a lot of people did that. You know, we had the speakers out at practice, and because coming from uh, Purdue in the Big Ten, you always had to go into, uh, you know, venues that uh, you couldn't hear uh, at all. So we practiced some uh, crowd noise for two or three days, and obviously these kids had never been exposed to that. They didn't uh, adapt very well. I still remember, I think we we jumped probably five times. We had five illegal procedures <laughs> Uh, I remember that pretty uh, specifically for our old line, but crowd noise was one, and then talent. You know, we had some talent, but we needed to get some matchups. So uh, we did a few creative things offensively, and our defense hung in there. And uh, again, Jared Bronson was a big time tight end for us. We split him out and got him one on one with a corner one time uh, for a touchdown. And I think we had to go go for two towards the end of the game, and uh, to go ahead or to tie Montana. And, uh, he was a key factor in that. So, uh, really, we had a few key talented players that kept us in the game, and it was it was a shootout. It was uh, I don't know. You could probably remind me of the score, but forty two forty nine or something like that. Yeah, 35. You guys ended up losing on yeah. I think a last second field goal, or at least a field goal in the in the waning seconds. Yeah, to, they did. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They kicked the field goal at the very end and, and beat us by three. So uh, we did. We went down and scored. Went for two to tie it with a couple minutes to go. Anyway, it was an exciting game, and it was a packed house like Grizz football has, you know. They, they pack them in, and so they had a lot of crowd and exciting for our players, and uh, I think we did a nice job. William Bennett joined us, former Central Washington head football coach, reminiscent about the time he brought his team into Missoula and almost sprung an upset. But, Coach, when you have a team like that, you mentioned you mentioned that at the D2 level, a lot of times when you have a really talented team, you can get up for that one big game, you know, if the moment is right. And you guys were so good against Montana. I remember you guys almost beat Eastern Washington in 2010 in the Battle of Seattle. Uh, when Eastern went on to win the, the national championship that year as well. Uh, so, but when you when you are playing in an atmosphere like Washington Grizzly Stadium, is it a matter of just settling in? Because I remember back to that afternoon, I remember thinking after you guys kind of got the jitters out, all of a sudden you maybe were even feeding off the crowd a little bit and, and really playing uh, at a top level. Well, I, I think we did. You know, And again, it's that uh, atmosphere that our kids aren't, used to very often in central you know usually we have three or four thousand people backs and and uh it was an opportunity for these kids to show what they could do so yeah that excitement that those jitters 
early on. And then once we settled down and our players realized that they could compete with them, uh, then it was a, pr- a pretty good game. And so, um, anyway, I think you're exactly right. Just transitioning these guys into a different environment and allowing them to believe that they can compete and uh, keep that game close going into that fourth quarter. If you could, is that the advice then you'd give? I know you've been removed from Central for half a dozen years or so now, but with these guys coming to Missoula, I mean, is that what you would tell Chris Fisk and his staff is, hey, just settle in and and try to get calmed down and, and, and see where the game might take you? Yeah, I would. You know, any any school that's going into that atmosphere, um, you know, you certainly want to hang in there early because uh, you, you can't let that game get away from you, obviously. So uh, that would be my advice. And certainly I don't know the talent at Central. You know, I don't know if they have some guys that can match up with the, the talented Grizzly team. Um, but I know back then we did. You know, like you said, we – uh, just about beat Eastern at that battle in Seattle. Went down to Idaho State, beat Idaho State. But it was because we had some talented players. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how the central team now can compete with a, an elite program like Montana. I know you're at Post Falls now, Coach. What's it been like getting back into the high school ranks and kind of going back to your roots here these last couple of years? Well, it's exciting. It really is. You know, we've been to the playoffs last four years five years and it's you know we love the northwest so this uh this area we have a great administration and some great kids here at pools falls and and we're still running that quarterback receiver camp you know like i mentioned the all northwest football passing academy and the crazy thing is uh, uh mike riley actually attended our our all northwest football camp back when he was a high school player and so when we reconnected at uh, central he had already been to our camp, and he already kind of knew me a little bit, and I knew him a little bit. So uh, it allows me to stay connected with some of the high school quarterbacks and receivers in the area. A lot of good high school talent between Post Falls and here in Missoula and even uh, to the east as well. So if people do want to get involved, if they have a, a young man that maybe wants some extra coaching or wants to get involved in, in that camp, how do people get involved? Well, I would just go to the website, allnorthwestfootball.com. Um, you can... All kinds of information on that. We have uh, sessions in April. We have sessions in May. Uh, we have a two-day session in July, July 16th and 17th. And it's all about developing quarterbacks and receivers. So uh, um, it's an exciting time. It's actually a camp that my dad, Shorty Bennett, and Mac Bledsoe started uh, 40, 50 years ago. And uh, we've just continued to do it forever. We've had a lot of big-time NFL guys go through the camp. Obviously, Drew was through the camp. And uh, the webpage is pretty exciting because it has a lot of the uh, newspaper clips back from the, in the Daily Record back in the 70s um, and uh, the different camps that we've put on. I think they started the camp in 1972. It's amazing. Very historical and uh, very cool. And, uh, yes, it is a great legacy. So go check that out. I'll post the website on our various social medias, Facebook backslash Zula and all that stuff for you, Coach. That'd be great, Coulter. Yeah, that's awesome. Fantastic. It's exciting. I'm glad you're doing well. 
It's good talking to you, man. I, uh, you know, I, I got to cut my teeth, and you were a great coach to cover when I first started out my career. I was always appreciative of the access, and uh, I told uh, I told Coach Ty or hi earlier because Coach Greg Rock he swings by and helps out from time to time here on this show too, and he led the show for us. So he said to tell you hi, and I, I'll, be, I'll be sure to tell him uh, you said hi as well. So uh, Blaine Bennett, former Central Washington head football coach, joining us here on Nuanas now, and Coach, it was great catching up. If you're ever in the area, please don't hesitate to drop a call or shoot a text or anything like that. But in the meantime. Be well, and we appreciate you taking the time. All right, Coulter. Thanks again, and I'm excited that Ty Greg Rank's doing well. We'll talk to you soon. Blaine Bennett, former Central Washington head football coach. It was fun covering Blaine, man. He was a he was a class act. He always brought in great talent. I mean, his coaching staff was dynamite. He just said it. I mean, Joe Lorg, who was the DB's coach, secondary coach, and then defensive coordinator there at Central. Uh, he's coaching DBs now at Penn State. Stacy Collins, who was the special teams coordinator there, uh, he's now the special teams coordinator at Boise State. And Pete Sermon, who's a great guy, who has a ton of Missoula ties too because his brother John is the father of Cy Sermon as well as Camden Sermon. So a couple guys that were stud football players here in Missoula, Cy for the Grizz, Camden for Missoula Sentinel. A lot of Sermon ties here in Missoula as well. So that was a great coaching staff to cover. They had a ton of talent as well. Never forget when I first moved to Ellensburg, and the Coach Bennett calls me up on my office voice. He says, you the new daily record guy? I said, sure. Yep, that's me. And he said, uh, Friday night, I'm taking you to dinner. And we went and got a big steak and <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's so weird the way that the betting process works now. And I mean, I just don't think that any coach is taking any reporter out to dinner, especially not a cub reporter back uh, when he's a young kid like I was back then. But uh Times have changed. It's not that it wasn't even that long ago, but it's crazy how it's all changed. But that's here nor there. Always a pleasure talking to Blaine Bennett, and it was good getting his perspective on Central Washington, what it takes at a Division II school to maybe spring an upset in Central Washington. This iteration of Central Washington has that opportunity on Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff from Washington Grizzly Stadium, Montana, taking on the Division II Wildcats. The game could be. Watched if you're not one of the 5,000 that got tickets, you can watch the game on uh, ABC Fox Montana. It's KTMF on your terrestrial television. So, we'll look for that there. Got to get out because we got another fun one coming up. Dr. Michael Wright, Missoula Bone and Joint. It is our sports medicine journal. We do this once a month. We're talking labrums, shoulder labrums, and hip labrums right after this here on Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. So, Montana, welcome back to Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. It's been an awesome show so far. Ty Gregorak, 
former college football coach for both Montana and Montana State, swinging by to break down both the Grizz and the Bobcats. We're also joined by Jace Lewis, Grizz linebacker from the University of Montana. We also heard from Bobby Houck, head coach for the Grizz football team. And we heard from Blaine Bennett, a former Central Washington head football coach who led his team to a near upset in Missoula back in 2008. Well, time now for the fourth installment of what's become one of my favorite segments, the Sports Medicine Journal, presented by Missoula Bone and Joint. And we are joined now by Dr. Michael Wright. We do this the first week of every month, diagnosing and talking about various injuries that afflict athletes across the wide world of sports. And we've talked about some of the most common injuries, from ACL tears to compound fractures to high ankle sprains. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about labrums. So there is labrums in both your shoulders, which is common... uh, knowledge for people that follow college football because oftentimes guys are having labrum surgery but there's also labrums in your hips so doc just tell us just start there just tell us about just the difference between what a hip labrum is and what a uh, shoulder labrum might be well structurally uh, the labrum is pretty similar in the shoulder and the hip in terms of of what it's actually made out of it's made out of a fibrocartilage uh, material However, functionally, it, it, it offers quite a bit different function in the shoulder than compared to the hip. So in, in a shoulder, the reason you hear about a lot of guys getting surgery on their shoulder for their labrum is for shoulder instability. And what that means is that the shoulder dislocated or popped out of the joint. And in the shoulder, the labrum is an integral part of, of keeping that shoulder stable. And so when it tears the ligaments that stabilize the shoulder attached to the labrum. And so the, the ligaments are often insufficient, which requires a repair of the labrum to stabilize the shoulder. The hip's a little different. The hip is a more constrained joint. It's a ball and socket joint with a deep uh, bony socket. And so instability in the hip is actually quite rare when the hip dislocates. So the labrum in the hip is, is thought to function more as a suction seal uh, around the ball as the ball rotates around the hip. It maintains suction within the hip to keep the joint lubricated. Um, so both uh, labral injuries in the shoulder and the hip can cause a pain for an athlete. In the shoulder, it's much more common to have uh, instability associated with labral injuries as well, whereas hips are, are typically more pain with uh, repetitive activities such as sprinting or uh, jumping or any activity that causes repetitive hip uh, flexion. The Grizz play home games this uh, next two Saturdays, so I guess we could say it's officially sort of football season again for the first time in a long time. But in my 15 years covering college football between the Bobcats, the Grizzlies, the rest of the Big Sky Conference, this time of year in the spring, when it's usually the off season, is usually when you always see guys sitting out a spring ball because they had their labrums and their shoulders repaired. Why do you think it's such a common injury in football? Well, it's it's pretty common in any sort of throwing athlete. And so there's different areas of the labrum that can tear. You know, you, you may have heard in, in kind of the lay media something called a slap tear or a superior labral tear that spans from the anterior to posterior direction. So that's that's what we see typically in people that throw a lot, overhead athletes. And that's typically pain, loss of velocity with throwing. Those are the types of symptoms that you see. Whereas the shoulder instability... Uh, fix is usually an anterior inferior labral tear and so the shoulder socket is is really a 360 degree uh, socket and there's a labrum that goes all the way around it and so we see injuries you know around the whole the whole surface of that that labrum now this is one of those injuries that guys typically get done in the off season because sometimes you can play through a labral injury it's it's one of those things where the symptoms 
may not be so severe that you're completely out of commission for the season. I've certainly seen guys play through play through a football season, and, you know, sometimes using a brace or sometimes kind of protecting themselves while they play, and then they elect to have the surgery done in the off season. And, you know, the reason you see it now is because a lot of those guys are in the kind of the tail end of their recovery. They probably had the surgery, you know, pretty quickly after the season ended. And then it's really you're looking at, you know, anywhere between three and six months in terms of a return to play from a labral injury and a shoulder. And so a lot of them are still just kind of getting the finishing touches on their rehab protocols uh, as they wait in the spring trying to get ready for the season. A lot of times you do see guys play through a shoulder labrum injury during the season, but then have it repaired uh, in the spring. But sometimes I feel like guys are getting it repaired as almost a precautionary or, or staying ahead of it. They might not quite need the surgery yet, but they get it done in the offseason because they know they're going to need it eventually. I mean, just talk about kind of the comparing and contrasting of that. I mean, it seems like sometimes it's even an injury where when you, you know it might be coming if you're like a linebacker or somebody that's a, a high-contact type position. So, I mean, do you feel like sometimes guys are getting this done ahead of time, or do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is one of those surgeries where there is a spectrum in terms of the indications. Uh, and I think the reason for that is that, that sometimes you can play with a labral injury without a lot of impairment in your performance. And so that really uh, results in players playing through this type of, of injury. But we know a few things about the labrum that help guide our decision about when to treat surgically. We know that they don't typically heal well, and the same is the true true about things we've talked about in the past, the ACL, certainly meniscus injuries. They don't have a robust blood supply, so they don't heal well. And so with a labral injury in a shoulder, they do typically uh, tend to progress over time if they're not treated. And so this is one of those things at some point an athlete's going to reach a point in their career when they can no longer play through and then they may not have a choice to have it fixed. But athletes that are, have a desire to play at a higher level and know that it's going to give them issues down the road will, will tend to say, hey, I've got a problem, I've got a tear that's not going to heal. I just want to address it now. And we do see that particularly in line linemen, you know, both O-linemen, D-linemen, guys that hit a lot with their elbows kind of tucked up against their torso. They tend to have posterior labral uh, injuries from that repetitive impaction force, whereas, you know, the classic example of a wide receiver reaching out and dislocates his shoulder, that's typically an anterior labral injury. Uh, and then again, as I mentioned before, the throwers are typically a superior labral injury. And so each one of those different injuries, even though they're all labral injuries, they come with a, a completely different surgery from my standpoint and often uh, a bit different of a rehab protocol. And, and so this is, a, a you know, like everything in orthopedics that we treat, there's a spectrum of injury, everything from a small one-anchor repair to uh, a 360-degree labral tear, uh, which requires multiple anchors. Dr. Michael Wright joining us. He's an orthopedic surgeon, Missoula Bone and Joint. This is our sports medicine journal presented by Missoula Bone and Joint. We do this once a month talking about common sports injuries uh, that afflict athletes across all sports. Doc, what's the rehab like when you're talking about shoulder labrum surgeries? Well, the rehab is, is typically about six weeks in a sling. Um, after the surgery itself. And then after that time, it's all about getting the, the athlete's range of motion back and then initiating into a, a strengthening phase, uh, usually under the guidance of the athletic trainers and the physical therapist. But, you know, it's one of those things that, that three months is about the soonest that someone's going to be back in uh, really aggressive, competitive play. And, 
One type of labral tear that's particularly problematic for athletes can be uh, the dreaded slap tear, which we see a lot in baseball pitchers that have a slap tear repair, and, and oftentimes they can be plagued by either continued pain or continued stiffness in the shoulder and certainly uh, can result in, in uh, a career-ending injury, even though it's, it's a labrum that is typically something that you can fix. Um, but in general, you're looking at about three to six months before uh, you're back at a pretty high level of, of performance. Switching gears on you then to the hip labrum, tell us what's the most common forms of hip injuries that then lead to needing surgery uh, for a, a hip labrum surgery. Well, we think about the labrum and the hip a lot differently than than the shoulder, uh, really because of the anatomy of, of the joint. So the hip, as I mentioned before, is a pretty constrained joint from a bone uh, standpoint. You know, you think about Tua, uh, who dislocated his hip, which is quite a rare injury. He also had a fracture of his hip that caused the hip to dislocate. The shoulder is like a ball sitting on a saucer, and so it relies on the labrum to help hold it in place. The hip is, is different. So Hip labral injuries are typically, we see that in people that have repetitive high flexion uh, type sport, which is typically sprinters uh, or and hockey players is also a classic example. And they'll present with deep pain in the groin, sometimes catching and, and clicking deep inside of the hip. And there's, there's a whole different... Um, uh, theor- theoretical uh, disease, if you will, of the hip called femoral impingement syndrome, which is a mouthful. But all it means is that the hip itself has some bony characteristics that pred- predispose someone to tearing the labrum in the hip. And the most common is something called a cam deformity, which is when you have an excess of bone at the femoral head neck junction, which is right adjacent to the ball of the hip. When those athletes go into repetitive high flexion, they actually have a bump of bone that can cause the labrum in the hip to tear. And so when we treat these labral injuries surgically, um, the, the procedure itself is similar to a shoulder surgery in that it's an arthroscopic surgery. We do it up on a TV screen, minimally invasive through small incisions. But in the hip, it's a little different than the shoulder in that we're almost always addressing some degree of bony deformity. And what I mean by that is that bump a bone that we think causes the labrum to tear in the first place, which is just the way that the person's made, we often address that by shaving that bone down at the time of surgery. And then similar to a shoulder, we can repair the labrum in the hip uh, by means of putting anchors in the bone and sewing it uh, back down to the socket. Um, but hip labrum surgery, it's similar to shoulder in, in terms of the recovery. Uh, you're looking at three to six months again for, for most hip labrums. Uh, most people are able to start running again at about the three-month mark, and then it's a progressive kind of rehabilitation protocol uh, after that. And somewhat unpredictable results, you know, with hip labrum surgery. This is another thing that can just plague athletes that uh, at times can be career-ending for them. Dr. Michael Wright joining us. This is the Sports Medicine Journal, presented by Missoula Bone and Joint. We do this once a month, diagnosing and, and discussing various injuries that afflict athletes across the wide world of sports. And you mentioned Tua Tagovailoa, the injury he suffered at Alabama before he came to the NFL. Probably the most the most famous hip injury is the one suffered by Bo Jackson, uh, probably 25 years ago. And I remember watching a documentary about Bo Jackson, and basically one of the doctors that they interviewed in that said that it was almost humanly impossible to suffer this this type of injury that Bo Jackson suffered only 
he could do it because only he was strong enough to have the force and the exertion and the mass and all those things combined to actually be able to truly fully dislocate his hip and completely tear uh, all of the tissue and all the labrum and everything in that. So, I mean, it's almost amazing that that injury occurred like it did, right? Yeah, I totally agree. I was pretty amazed uh, with Tua uh, to hear about what actually happened to his hip and seeing the play because generally with a hip dislocation, I mean, we see these from time to time, but usually you're talking about, you know, a 70-mile-an-hour car accident or, or someone that, you know, fell off of a bridge or a building. You're usually thinking about major high-energy trauma to dislocate a hip, you know, more than, than we see in, in, in most sports. Um, but, you know, there is certainly a biomechanic component to this, meaning if you, you land on it in just the right angle uh, and the force is in just the right trajectory, you certainly can uh, can dislocate your hip. But it's it's rare. And, and one misconception about hips that I, I see all the time is people think they dislocate their hip. They have the sensation of that hip popping in and out, but it's almost never true that it's fully dislocating. However, in the shoulder, it can totally be true. People can voluntarily dislocate their shoulders they can they can do all sorts of tricks to make their shoulder pop in and out and so that just kind of goes back to the basic understanding of the anatomy of the constraints of the joint the shoulder is held in place by soft tissue the the uh, hip is held in place by a deep strong uh, bony tissue which is the hip socket or the acetabulum well it seems to me from this conversation then that shoulder labrum injuries and surgeries are much easier to recover from than hip injuries and, and hip labrum surgeries. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, one, the slippery slope with shoulders is when you repair the labrum, certainly sometimes you can certainly make a, a shoulder too stiff uh, by repairing it because that joint relies on a balance of soft tissues uh, to have the, the appropriate biomechanics. And so shoulders can be tricky as well, but I think in general you're right. Hip injuries are, are probably tougher to come back from uh, than shoulder injuries. And, and certainly hip injuries are a lot less common. We just don't see nearly the number of them uh, as opposed to shoulder, which is really commonplace on, on really any football team. The Sports Medicine Journal presented by Missoula Bone and Joint. Dr. Michael Wright joins me, Coulter Nuanez, here on Nuanez now the first week of each month. And, Doc, this has been very informative, as always, and we'll catch up with you soon, but thanks so much for the time today. Okay, thanks, Coulter. Always fun to learn new things. That's a really good... uh, it's a really good segment. Really, shout out to Carolyn, one of our sales associates, for setting that up. And thanks so much to Dr. Michael Wright for joining us once a month. We every three months we're gonna put that into a podcast. So if you want to go search on the Nuanas Now podcast channel, the Sports Medicine Journal, you can find uh, the previous three episodes of that. Besides the one you just listened to right now, so always a lot of fun. I know the injuries are a part of sports, especially in a big football town like Missoula or in a big football state like Montana, and so. Uh, we see guys with labrum injuries uh, all the time, and there's high ankle sprains or torn ACLs or whatever it might be. And uh, it's just fun learning kind of what uh, the injury itself is not fun. It's obviously horrible, but it it goes to show you just what it takes to suffer that serious of an injury, what it takes to come back from it, and just the miracle of modern medicine. I mean, the fact that we can repair these pretty catastrophic injuries, it's pretty amazing. So we will look forward to more installments of the Sports Medicine Journal presented by Missoula Bone and Joint. We're listening to Nuanez now. I'm Coulter Nuanez. We do this each and every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide Television, SWX Montana TV. We got a return tomorrow. 
a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. We'll tell you more on the other side. Keep it right here, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home Knocking on the door of a football weekend, and man, it is exciting. Welcome back into Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana television. We're about eight days out from me giving you this beautiful painting. If you're not watching on TV, I have an awesome custom-made painting of Dave Dickinson, Don Reed, and Andy Larson, three of the Grizz legends of all time. 25 years ago in a couple months, the anniversary of the 25th anniversary of Montana's 22-20 victory over Marshall in the 1995 Division I AA National Championship. We did a 25-part podcast series chronicling that awesome anniversary, and we had this painting commissioned. So if you want to buy one, you want to get a poster or a T-shirt, sweatshirt, some Grizz swag for you or somebody in your family, it's a great gift. Go to rbagley3.com. You can order today, rbagley3.com. But if you want to enter this contest, all you got to do is comment on my Facebook post or my Twitter post. Facebook at backslash ESPN Missoula or at 1029 ESPN on Twitter. Just send me a comment or a, a response or a like or whatever. And give me your best football memory from the state of Montana. It could be Bobcats, Grizz, high school football, whatever you want. Obviously, probably a Grizz fan is going to want this one, but who knows? Maybe you want to give it as a present, whatever. It's about a $700 retail value, so this is an awesome present. This is an awesome prize, so please be sure to enter today. If you missed anything in the show, this was a great show. It's one of my favorite shows we've had since I went out on my own. Thanks so much to all my great guests for joining me. Led the show, Ty Gregorak former Montana and Montana State assistant football coach. He also spent a season at Central Washington. Central Washington plays at Montana on Saturday, 11 a.m. You can catch the game on ABC Fox Montana Television. You also catch the radio broadcast on the Grizzly Radio Network across the state of Montana. We also heard from Jace Lewis, All-American candidate, senior linebacker for the Grizz football team. It was fun having Jace catching up with him, seeing what he's got going on. We also... Caught up with Bobby Houck, University of Montana football coach. And we heard from Blaine Bennett, former football coach from Central Washington University. The head coach when I was over in Ellensburg covering Central. And a guy who brought his team to Missoula and almost knocked off the Grizzlies once upon a time back in 2008. So it was fun catching up with Coach Bennett. If you want to find anything that you missed in the show, you can find it on the podcast. Nuana's Now Podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe. Five stars is preferred. Download all that good stuff. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications, The Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, and Sportsbet Montana. Big show, great show coming at you tomorrow, too. It's going to be a great comeback. Been waiting for this one for a long time. Regime Seabrook. I'm not going to say we're my best friends because Regime and I don't spend enough time together. We need to spend more time together. I love that guy, though, because he's definitely one of my favorite friends, one of the most 
intellectual, thoughtful guy as I know. He'll swing by tomorrow. His first appearance on Nuanas now. He's been on two tell Nuanas. He's been on the pregame and postgame Grizz radio show as well, but he has never been on Nuanas now. So we look forward to Regime swinging by and rapping with us a little bit tomorrow. He's got uh, a lot of cool stuff that he wants to talk about. We're going to talk about all the stuff he's been in, uh, in the mix with because he has been coaching at various high schools, specifically mostly Sentinel as of lately. So we'll talk probably a little Sentinel football, a little Sentinel track. We're going to talk some NFL draft as well. Maybe talk some baseball, talk about some boxing. We're going to talk everything in between as well. So we will be excited to have Regime Seabrook back in the fold. Like I mentioned, the Grizz are playing on Saturday. I was trying to put together some sort of pre- and post-game show. It was a little bit hectic considering how long I've been gone. Uh, but we, were, we are efforting to maybe get a, a pre- and post-game show going next week. We will not have one this week, but we will have one next week, at least hopefully. And uh, we will definitely be back in the saddle for the fall of 2021, so have no fear there. The Masters is going on, and uh, we gave an update a little earlier, but now we're a little farther into the round. Justin Rose, way out in front of the field. He's at minus seven. He shot a 65 today, four-stroke lead. Brian Harmon and Hideki Matsuyama tied for second at three under. They each shot 69. William Zalatoris shot a 70, as did uh, Webb Simpson and Patrick Reed. So they're sitting there at two under. Jason Cork. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 